Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am Dyer. Okay, Boomer. Oxley. <laughs> On today's episode, I love that one. On today's episode, it's our first feature story by associate producer Brandon Haddix, who, in case you missed the announcement in episode 401, has joined the Northwest Nerd team this season. And today he'll be taking us to Kitsap County, where there may or may not be some monsters on the loose, all depending, of course, on which reality you happen to be inhabiting while you're there. After that, we'll get into some nerdy news and headlines, including the Game of Thrones spinoff coming to HBO, Time TBD, and a space history first by some local young engineers right here in Washington State. And then we'll wrap things up with some recommendations for your viewing, including my current favorite app that is keeping me up way later than is healthy. But first... I turn you over to Brandon Haddix. At a camping spot not so far from the city of Port Gamble on the Kitsap Peninsula, visitors can enjoy an array of outdoorsy recreation among the evergreens. It's peaceful here among the trails, the sounds of the Puget Sound waves off in the distance, and the smell of fresh-cut grass. But looks can be deceiving. That shuffling in the bushes could have been a raccoon. Or was it the subtle shifting of a Sasquatch? Are the scrapes on this tree natural, or were they left from the vicious claws of an owlbear? There is a group of outdoorsy scouts, of sorts, who can tell you. The Monster Rangers have dedicated their time to study and retain the knowledge about our fabled friends. So, uh, if you don't know about Barter Circle, Barter Circle is from the tradition of monster markets. There was a time uh, in the age of monsters where things that would eat each other, goblins and fairies, would have to come together in a safe place to trade because they need things from each other and they can't just kill each other for them all the time. The barter circle arose in the safe place. The monster rangers gathered here at Kitsap Memorial State Park over the summer. It's one of many such gatherings that this alternative reality scout troop organizes. What is an alternative reality scout troop? Basically, alternative reality in this sense, means that the monster rangers follow a certain narrative. In this narrative, monsters are real, and they are a group of rangers charged with the protection of monsters and their habitat. They are the experts on the world of vampires, fairies, and goblins alike. It's the Boys and Girls Scouts of America meets the 1980s film Monster Squad, minus the exploding werewolves. Some even have ranger uniforms. In reality, they are creators, artists, and monster enthusiasts who gather together to celebrate their love of lore and mythical creatures. Uh, we are a group that loves to believe, study, and protect our monster friends. Let me introduce you to Chris Garvey, one of the active members in the Seattle area. And what you just heard was the Caw Claw, the group's signature pledge that rangers ascribe to. 
So, like with any other kind of scouting group, you have a, a pledge and you have a thing you do with your hand. I don't know what they call that, but but for us, it's called the Caw Claw. And that was actually coined by a ranger named Blaine in Colorado. But we'd been doing the Caw Claw before, but we just didn't have a name for it. And basically, uh, yeah, you we believe, study, and protect our monster friends so that your thumb, your index finger, and then your middle finger kind of going up. And then you curl them like a claw and you go, Caw! This last summer, Chris and his family traveled to Kitsap Memorial to join the local members at Monstro Camp. During the weekend event, they told stories, played games, and made stuff together. So I heard about Monster Rangers at Emerald City Comic Con a couple years ago. They had a big old Steam Crow Monster Ranger booth, and uh, just chatting with Donna and Daniel, it sounded like a blast. I wanted something fun for me and my kids to be able to do. And this just fit a nice little niche for us. Now, you might be wondering, like me, how does a group like this get started? And to answer that, we have to go back in time to over a decade ago. Basically, we went to the San Diego Comic-Con in 2005 in July. Donna and I finally could take a first our first vacation. I'd been a designer for, uh, I don't know if it was 10 years yet or not, but somewhere around there. And, uh, and we just went as fans. Uh, I had pretty much given up any idea that I'd have a creative, cool career. I was just a graphic designer for credit unions. I was just a boring web designer guy. This is Daniel and Donna Davis, the husband-wife duo and creators of Steam Crow. It's because of Steam Crow that the Monster Rangers community exists. Steam Crow is a brand that makes monster-inspired products such as posters, bags, clothing, and much more. Daniel handles like a lot of the design and uh, social media and everything that's done like in a nice little office where I'm like handling all the um, more production. So, so screen printing, so shipping. You handle reality and I handle everything else. There you go. Each work is instilled with their unique cartoon style influenced by their love for creatures. Like they said, this journey all started while in the Vendors and Artist Hall at San Diego Comic-Con. And Donna, you know, leans over to me halfway through the show as we were finding and discovering all these new indie guys that were like Pixar people and DreamWorks artists that were making their own books and making their own products. And Donna leans over to me and goes, you know, you could do this. You could make a haiku monster book. And that was for me... Uh, the greatest gift ever because she basically kind of gave me a little bit of a, a hope that I could really do something. Yeah, I opened my big mouth. But it was a terrific thing. So I love the idea. So I went home and started working on our haiku monster book called um, Cock Creatures. After Daniel's first book, they began turning their home in Phoenix, Arizona into a workshop. Each one of their creations is powered by this special place that monster culture holds in their hearts. Monsters are like a reflection of humanity, right? They're like broken versions of people. There's something wrong with them. They're, you know, they're beasts. I mean, that's also people. People are broken and often not totally perfect. And so I don't know what it is, but when I was a kid, I discovered that there was this thing called the Halloween where you dress up as monsters and that was amazing and turned me on to monster culture and then uh, growing up watching creature feature shows so there was a show called creature feature in the 70s that would come on Saturday at noon and it would show an old monster movie so it introduced me to Godzilla and Frankenstein and Harryhausen films 
and that blew my mind. Like I loved monsters from that point on, and, and anything monsters. And so you know, from Count Chocula to Dracula, you know, I loved everything in between. You know, Halloween wasn't a big holiday in my house. I mean, we had a lot of fun, but it was just really light. And I was never into like horror, bloody slasher films. They scared the living daylights out of me. So my, I guess my first real introduction into monsters was uh, Godzilla, watching them on Sundays on TV when I could. And then uh, Big Trouble in Little China, my, my good friend Andrea Bennett introduced me to that movie and that had that great monster in it and stuff. Uh, yeah, not a huge monster, but then I met Daniel and uh, Halloween is every day at our house now. After a couple years of growing a following as Steam Crow, Daniel and Donna still felt like something was missing. The first issue was figuring out what the meaning behind the brand was, and it's hard to describe to someone that your art is all about friendly cartoon monsters. On top of that, they desired to build a stronger community, something where the focal point was creating, connecting people, and making adventures together. How was Steam Crow going to achieve this? Well, like most great projects, by accident. On the side, they wanted to say thank you to those who had supported them so far. So, as a gift, they sent some of their fans one of three types of badges. Badges that a scout might attach to their uniform. Anyway, we made these badges, but you couldn't just have badges. So I made up a story about a farmer who gets struck by lightning in 1903. And when he gets struck by lightning, he can see monsters. And it brings a scarecrow, the steam crow, to life. And uh, he starts the Monster Rangers to help monsters. So anyway, I kind of write this story thinking it was just going to be a like Steam Crow fan club. In fact, it was called the Steam Crow Scouts, you know, first. But what happened was that was the idea, man. That was the idea that everybody started to come around. They started making their own uniforms. They started asking for missions to do. They started uh, wanting to do meetups and meetings and campouts, and it was crazy. And for the first time, Steam Crow had people telling us what they wanted from us, what they wanted it to be, what they, where they wanted it to go. It was pretty fast and magical. At first, Daniel and Donna were a little hesitant to get their hopes up. Suggestions are one thing, but getting people together might be a little tough. Yeah, you want to camp out? No, we're not going to probably do That's crazy. And then we did one, and we're like, oh, that was amazing. You want to wear uniforms? Sure. Why not? But I didn't think anyone would do it. And, you know, the first show, 26 people did it. Like, you know, like a month, a couple months into this crazy thing. So anyway, it took on a life of its own, and that was the brand. That was what we were looking for. After 10 years, the Monster Rangers continue to expand and grow. They now have over 200 badges for members. Some are earnable and the others are available by purchase. More and more monster camps began to pop up all over the West. In 2019 alone, there will be seven camps altogether, with a majority of them happening this last August, just in the short span of five weeks. This last summer, Daniel and Donna packed up a large white van and began all the way down in LA and then drove up to Seattle, over to Spokane, to Briggsdale, Colorado, and finally stopped in Provo, Utah. In the winter, they held their prime camp in Phoenix, and later this year, they will have their first Krampus camp in Tucson in December.
When I first arrived at the camp this summer, they were just about to start this activity called the Barter Circle. It's a favorite among the rangers. Of course, Daniel had written some lore about the founder, Baron Davis, having stumbled upon a hidden circle where creatures can trade without having fear of being hurt. However, within the circle, Baron had noticed that it was natural to kind of talk up your wares, maybe over-exaggerate what they do and how you got them. And so Baron, after participating, brought this tradition back to the organization. Under a large canopy tent adorned with orange and black pennant flags, the Pacific Northwest Rangers lay out their valuables, trinkets, and edible creations to trade amongst each other. I mean, there is magic at Barter Circle. There's something to be said for, you know, trading stuff and exaggerating your wares and just having a good time. And, you know, these rangers, our people are so awesome because they, you know, some of them craft things. Like we've had Monster Ranger themed candles. So scented candles based on different branches of Monster Ranger. Jams. Jams, mead. Tea. Teas. All um, kinds of stuff. Hand, just uh, Leather keychains. Oh. Uh, embroidered work. Like... Tons uh, of stuff. And, oh my god! But also, you can bring all, anything to barter shop. Weird toys, weird junk. That's all great. But uh, my favorite, though, are the crafted items for sure. While the camp is fantastic, the Rangers are constantly finding new ways to spend time together throughout the year. Melissa Dracules, another local member here in Seattle, explains. They're run by the local groups. So here in Seattle, we have a very strong presence. We have a very strong group of engaged individuals. And so if someone comes up with a great idea and they're like, hey, let's go do this, then we'll make an event. So we decided to have a tea tasting one day. We found a local tea shop and we tasted tea together. We're doing a, a ghost hike next month. So that's another one. Or we have craft night. So it's kind of um, anyone who decides to run an event can run one. Um, and we try and find some kind of central it, core thing that we would all enjoy and do that. One of my favorite things about the Monster Rangers is that they are one of the most welcoming groups I have ever met. During my time at the camp, not only was I offered a meal, but I was given a wonderful candle during the barter circle, even when I had not prepared and brought a gift with me. So thank you to Maddie who gave that to me. And yes, it did smell exactly like apple pie. And every person from every walk of life is welcome here. And that's something that Donna and Daniel hopes will continue to be a cornerstone for the Rangers. I want everybody to feel welcome because we're not here to, we're not here to pressure you into anything. We're not here to make you believe in something or, or, uh, you know, do an activity to make you braver or anything like that. We just want to hang out and make some stuff. It doesn't happen in just Seattle. Like these meetups are happening all over the West. In Colorado and here in Phoenix. In California, and... like people are doing these on their own. Mm -hmm. Rangers are. And so it's really tremendous. Um, we just want to be as transparent and as we can and try to just keep the culture of the group really uh, safe and strong, you know, yeah. and so the best way we do it is just trying to treat everybody right and try to let everybody know that that's how you're supposed to treat everybody in our group and, you know, just try to keep it healthy. Now, I don't play D&D, &D, so it's been a while since I heard the term owlbear, so it took me a second to just orient around, like, 
a monster in a tree with the body of a bear but the head of an owl? Yeah, that's what I think that that would be. It, it, I, don't, I don't know if it would be hanging out in a tree or if it just... Do they hang out in caves or do they hang out in trees, do you think? I would think that like bears can be found in trees, owls can be found in trees. Why wouldn't an owl bear also be in a tree? I feel like it could be <laughs> a tree inside of a cave or maybe like a knot hole in a tree that's like a cave but in a tree. Think about it. Okay. I like that. I like that too actually well at the end of the day um awesome job on this brandon so psyched to have you uh not only on the team but also doing feature stories for us thank you so much man uh great job on this and if people wanted to hear more about the monster rangers if they wanted to maybe start their own group or join a group that already exists where could they find out more about that yeah so the best way to find out would be uh on the monster rangers website um from there you can kind of go through the directory and find local rangers that are near you um another suggestion was the easier way to find us was to reach out on facebook they have groups from mm. what they have um in your area and so you can find the pacific northwest group you can find the one in spokane if you're over there uh or the ones that they have in oregon are kind of going from there yeah cool yeah so just search for monster rangers plus whatever region you're in yep and you'll find that and i was looking at their website earlier and at the very least even if you don't want to find groups you can get hyped about how cool all of the badges are they look <laughs> the badges are sick dope <laughs> did you notice the shape of the badge they're hexagons i kind of was like what if there's a Northwest Nerd I was like, badge? You can have a Northwest Nerd badge or a podcasters badge. That's or the one something. you get for coming on the show. So one of the things that I love about that is that they also created these bigger badges, but they still have the hexagonal like mm-hmm. out trace mm-hmm. of it, so you can build around them. So it looks like you can do all kinds of stuff. It's almost like a it's almost like Legos plus badges. Yeah. It's like a way to Well it's an awesome organization and uh, I'm psyched to have shown a light on it. I uh, very excited. For having that feature, but not only Brandon, I'll echo what uh, Nick just said. Last week when I hinted at like I something exciting is happening and it's going to bring a tear to my eye, mm-hmm. that's this. <laughs> this is what's bringing a the tear to my growing. eye because the team grew. And not only that, um, you know, whew, it was good. So like <laughs> that's what I was stoked about. I also want to just give a shout out uh, to uh, Ensign Haddock's uh quarters that we are recording from we are recording from his apartment because uh certain life changes i'm not going to tell the listeners that but uh we were recording in a certain studio it's unavailable to us now we are here uh for for the future so uh brandon and uh, kira who also helps out with the podcast is letting us stay in their apartment and uh record here uh you're gonna do features for us I'm drinking your water. I'm using your restroom. <laughs> I am playing with your cats. I have. I will I have. be staying in your bed later on, so I hope it's okay for the couch. <laughs> Nick's, yeah, good. Nick's gonna be cooking something here soon. So they're amazing hosts. I, I got. Yeah. I gotta say the the service here is fantastic. I have not one, not two, but three beverages in front of me as I record this show. Yeah, it's amazing. So anyway, yeah, you you uh, you let us in one foot in the door, and and we're I'm not leaving. This is a really nice apartment. All right. Okay. So I just wanted I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm excited for this, and also thank you guys for letting us uh, use your apartment. Yes, biggest your, thank your quarters. Yeah. All right. Let's hit the news. I think I I think that you know where I'm going to start out because on this podcast we have a. Uh, a history now of how much 
at least half of this team cares about Game of Thrones. You are very Game of Thrones. Yeah, I and thought was... I was into Game of Thrones, but then we talked more. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I, yeah. I mean, you are. I, I am. just happen to be deeper. Right. Which is fine. Yes. Um, and there there are a couple different Game of Thrones stories because uh, I'll, I'll start with the most exciting one, which is that HBO has ordered 10 episodes for the first season of their first spinoff from the main show, Game of Thrones. It's going to be called The House of the Dragon. It's based on the founding of the Targaryen uh, house and the mm. Targaryen dynasty. It takes place 300 years before the events of the uh, the show that we all watched and loved until the final season. This also comes along with the news that the Naomi Watts starring uh, other spinoff yeah. that was going to be about the long night, like the the prince who was promised and all that storyline, is not going to happen. And Is there a why for that? Because I heard that, and I, I did kind of feel like I thought that story would be really cool. I, I was kind of looking forward to that. I think that the main problem with it is that it's so far removed from the show that we just watched. Like, yeah. This is before the Targaryens came to Westeros, so there's no dragons. It it would be so different, even though it's set in the same world, that I think that it was a, it's a bit of a leap, even for fans of the IP. I think that that's really all it was. Or maybe just the script sucked. I don't know. It could. Or be the simple. actors were just like, no, yeah. you know, I'm filming this now. And I mean, it, just... the only person they had cast was Naomi Watts as a Lannister Okay. ancestor that was that was it right? Sound like they didn't get isn't that who she was gonna play it. yeah they weren't that far into it i'm still no matter what they say about this because they've directly countered what i'm about to say <laughs> i'm still waiting for my aria spinoff so they better get on that that's eh, not gonna happen i know i can hope ain't nothing gonna happen i can hope <laughs> it's not gonna have uh other news related to this george r. r martin himself says that he will write for house of the dragon after he finishes Winds of Winter. Okay, that was going to be my next which question. <laughs> you're, I mean, for for regular listeners of the show, they know that you have the conspiracy theory that this book is somehow oh, already yeah. done, that's an and easy, they're just sitting on it. That's an easy thing for him to to say all, all afterwards. Yeah, because you already wrote it, and you're just sitting on all this planned content <laughs> schedule. You know, he, the book's going to come out, and he's going to be, oh gosh, that was hard. I was under so much pressure. Oh gosh, you already wrote it. You're just waiting for the shows to get over. And so he's probably starting to write the show now. So. I mean, again, I hope you're right. Yeah. I don't think you are, but I love the theory. Well, because we have a date for the Game of Thrones spinoff. Yes? No? I don't think we have a date for it. No. Okay. Because if they're already moving on this, right? If they say we have a spinoff, if they say we already know the storyline for it, if they start releasing actors' names, that means that there is a schedule that they are going and they are spending money to make money later. And if they're spending money, they got to keep that schedule going or they're going to lose money, which means he's already written that damn book and he's, <laughs> he's already getting ready for that script. So yeah. just, we'll just go. This is also the spinoff that uh, George R. R. Martin seemed to be the most involved with as well. Cause mm-hmm. there were, I think like five original uh, spinoffs that were pitched after they realized that game of Thrones would be wrapping up back in like 2016. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them moved forward. The Naomi Watts one, which I think was, written by Brian Cogman, who wrote a bunch of, like, the final season and did a bunch of the producing for that stuff because Benny and Weiss started to get more and more distance between them and the show. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. And speaking of Benny and Weiss, another quick story. I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up. They were supposed to get their own Star Wars trilogy, and now Lucasfilm has taken that away from them. Just a series of losses here by Benny and Weiss. Like, they, they fumbled the final season of their signature show, uh, that happened the same year that HBO announced that they would be making Confederate, which was supposed to be an alternate history 
telling of what if the South actually seceded successfully. Uh, doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. And they've just lost so much goodwill amongst people that I, I wasn't at all surprised to hear that they lost yeah. their Star Wars trilogy. They made a great guitar video, though. I mean, they went out with a... <laughs> I played for those that you yeah. haven't seen it. Look at the Fender uh, Game of Thrones line, and they just have like rock star royalty all just lined up playing the theme song. I hope that this isn't uh, a precursor to them also taking away like Ryan Johnson's trilogy that he's supposed to get. Ryan Johnson being the writer and director for The Last Jedi, which I continue to believe is one of the best Star Wars movies. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I was always I. I didn't. I went back it. and rewatched it a couple weeks ago because uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Binge Mode, mm-hmm. is now doing like the rewatch and deep dive into the Star oh, Wars yeah. movies and and lore and whatnot. So I went back and rewatched The Last Jedi, and that movie's good, and yeah. it has so much more to say about the world outside of that universe than a lot of the other movies do. Because I think a lot of them get lost in the stuff going on inside the story itself that it oh, doesn't yeah. speak to the world around it that it exists in like i just thought there were really... too many stories going on i i wanted just like the casino movie like yeah, that, that, that whole mission that they were doing i wanted more time been a there. movie yeah. unto itself and then the other stuff of apparently this ship is just constantly being shot out for i don't know how long but they have enough time to go to a casino in the middle of it and for you know ray to have visions and things like that yeah. uh like i would have just had like just make that because that was a really cool thing but i feel like it didn't have any time uh, and then the other storylines didn't have as much time and then really the rest of the story i just was re-watching empire strikes back i feel like i was really overly critical about that but um because <laughs> it's not a bad movie and i don't hate it but yeah, yeah. anywho i don't hate it <laughs> you know what i also don't hate <laughs> oh tell me nostalgia i love nostalgia <laughs> you and do if, love nostalgia if you yeah. love nostalgia and you love mcdonald's and uh I was going to make a, a bad joke there, but I'm not going to make it. Was it an I'm loving it joke? Uh, no, but you will be loving it as McDonald's oh my God. <laughs> re-releases its greatest Happy Meal hits. It Nothing is, but the hits. Believe it or not, is the Happy Meal's 40th anniversary. So November 7th through 11th, if there was a Happy Meal toy that you loved, they are probably going to re-release it. There's a, there's a select... There's a select few, yeah. and we will get to those. They're going to release those November 7th through 11th or until you know supplies go away. Um, I'm just going to go off a few you know hits here. we got Power Rangers. We've got Beanie Babies. We've got Hello Kitties and Furbies. And who can forget the McBuddies, the, the ones I think they, they were like Transformers-style yeah. You know, McDonald's, like a hamburger that turned into like a bot of something. That was kind. one of my favorite ones was, was uh, the hamburger one. And there was also a mm-hmm. fry, like in the yeah. fry box that would turn into a robot as well. My mom still has those. And because uh, now she's got, I think, grandkids are in a box somewhere. And so she gives them to the grandkids to play with when um, she wants, I guess, to show them how much their toys could suck now because now toys are way better <laughs> it's like here you go check this yeah. out you know it's it's like when i went to my grandma's house and she's like here's a wind up tin car and then that was wow we had really similar grandmas yeah um but i left one out that is my favorite it's the one i'm going for it's the one i never got as a kid and i want one now they're bringing back tamagotchi which was <laughs> it growing up in the 90s you had friends that constantly were killing their pets because the teachers wouldn't let them feed their pets in the middle yep. of class. Um, there's a little thing that went on your keychain, and it was a little digital 
um, I, it's not even 8-bit because it wasn't in color or anything. It was just like this little black and white screen of a little pet that kept reminding you, you got to feed me, you got to feed me. And then, you know, it was this pet that you just had digitally, you know, for all the kids that the parents would not get them. Puppies. I got in trouble on several occasions in elementary in class, school. Yeah, right? because I had I didn't have like one of the one of the, like the monster Tamagotchis. Mm-hmm. I had I had one of the Giga Pets. It was the chimpanzee one. Mm-hmm. But it also didn't make any sense because like his final form was a gorilla. Okay. No, no scientific sense at all. And I rarely got to that point anyway because you had to feed them all the time. And right. like my my chimp would just poop and then be upset and then die. They should have had a school mode because that's really what I think yeah. was the downfall of yes. the Tamagotchi. That and the fact that people were waking up to the fact that like video games already looked way better than this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but yeah, Tamagotchi these were happening is coming at the back. same time that like kids were playing Pokemon. Right. Exactly. At the same time that they were playing this thing. Right. And so. Tamagotchi's coming back. Did you did you bring up a list of like all the stuff that's coming? There's there's a whole bunch, and I didn't. There's some other Disney ones. It looks like oh, yeah, Hot Wheels are in one. there. Did you say Hot Wheels? No. Uh, there's some Looney Tunes ones. Oh, that's right. The Space Jam is going to be. Oh yeah. Have a Space oh yeah. Jam that is one. Space Jam. Yeah. So that's in there. Also, uh, this uh, Patty the Palatipus, uh, T Ty Ty Beanie Babies T Y. How do you pronounce that? Now I don't remember. Ty? T-Y? T-Y? T-Y, yeah. T-Y. The crowd says T-Y. Okay. T-Y Beanie Babies. I'm pretty sure my mom still has that thing. Okay. Like the full-size one and the Happy Meal version. And that's what she gives the grandkids when they come over. No, like, no, 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 no. Oh. Those stay tucked away because they're worth money. Are Beanie Babies still worth money? No. I feel like the Beanie Babies were like an early version of that bubble Bitcoin burst pretty that everybody early got into. But like, and, but what are you supposed to do with them now? Like, I don't, I don't know. If you have the space, you might as well keep on waiting right. until maybe until they, they go do back become up again. worth money. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still Wait waiting. for other people to like destroy theirs out of frustration. Right. I'm still waiting for my troll dolls to rake in those dough. <laughs> uh, Step 48, step, profit. <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of steps... This one's there's this one's no tough. there's yeah <laughs> steps into history oh oh okay like one step for mankind type thing right another step for Washington's students to send the first amateur satellite into space from Washington State the Husky Sat One now UW University of Washington is getting credit for it that's why it's called the Husky Sat One. It's uh, a, it's actually three cubes that form about a seven-pound rectangular box-looking thing. It's smaller than a loaf of bread, is the way it's described. It is a satellite. They it's call like it a amateur built. Question. Yeah, it's it's like it, they call it amateur built, but it's not quote unquote amateur. I mean, there's some tech on this thing. It just means that they weren't paid. And it's not um, it's not a. Uh, like totally built by the UW students too, because there are high school students at an aviation high school in Tukwila that also built a camera for this thing that's going to be sending back black and white photos of the Earth. I think it's Raceback uh, High School or something like that. Awesome. Um, that they that they have been building. So they built that. They have folks at UW that built like an antenna system. They have folks at UW that built like a ham radio tester type something or other that's going up there, and it's it's all in this one box. And then they're also testing out a plasma propulsion system, which uses, and I'm going to totally explain this wrong, uh, it uses solid 
sulfur. So it's like a solid block of sulfur at the end of this thing. And it uses these little micro bursts of like sparks and electricity that then turn that sulfur immediately into like a little plasma and gets a little energy boost out of the back of it. And that's how they're going to propel this thing around. Once it's in space. Well, yeah, it's in space. It's, it was on a rocket out of Virginia. They shot it up there. It's uh, going to the uh, space station, the International Space Station. Mm. They're going to hold on to it till early 2020 and then put it even higher into orbit. And then it's going to be circling the Earth. And every day, um, actually, I don't know if it's every day because it actually goes around the Earth multiple times a day. Basically, the students at UW from now on, even though most of them are getting like hired by companies at this point, <laughs> um, but students for now, the next three years, are going to be waiting for three-minute windows for that thing to send data back because that's when it's going to be aligned with Seattle. And then it'll go around the Earth again, and then they'll get more data. And it's going to be photos and stuff they're testing with the antenna and all that. And very, very impressive stuff for high schoolers and college students to say that they've done. I was sleeping in high school. They have satellite <laughs> classes. You know, I was I was dreaming of when my band was totally going to eventually hit it big and they are sending satellites into space at least for the next 3 years because it only has 3 years after which it'll actually uh, descend back into Earth's atmosphere and burn up. You know, apparently NASA does have a limit on how many satellites they allow up there. That makes sense. You know, and so yeah. these little guys that are running around eventually have to come back down and burn up. So they have three years waiting for three minute windows of this data making history the very first one from Washington State. Now, uh, Cougars, sorry, uh, you are not the first, but they will be the second one in 2020. I think they have like Cougsat one or something like that that's going to go up, which is another you know, loaf of bread that they're going to throw into orbit. <laughs> Another yeah. three-cubed loaf of bread. Exactly. I love that. Well, I mean, we love the space beat here. Uh, we think that this region is just one of the leading in the uh, the growing space economy, and this is just another example mm -hmm. of how awesome our young people are at taking advantage of that. Or as Stephen Smith calls, the economy. <laughs> that was one of the coolest things anybody's ever said. Yeah, that was great. I was waiting for him to drop that mic. Um, that, happened, that happened during the panel, right? That was in a, the, one of the, our episodes? The Rencon panel, okay, cool. that, yeah. that was uh, just a couple weeks ago. People didn't listen to that one. You can go back and hear Stephen Smith drop and, exactly that line. Exactly. And speaking of folks, that things that they can go back and listen to, you can go back and listen to a great interview with Ethan HD. See what I did there? I see what you did there. Because uh, it was in HD. Yeah, it was. Well, he we had a little two-minute interview with him talking about how he was on a mission to buy Destiny City Comics down in Tacoma. It was going to close down, um, but the Indiegogo campaign for that has now come and gone. It is completed. They had a goal. I forget what that was off the top of my head. They got roughly over $4,000. I think they won three times. It's that nothing to or something like sneeze that. at, though. Yeah, like... it's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, I talked with Ethan HD when we were tabling at Jet City Comic Show, and that audio got corrupted or something. It, it yeah. just went into the ether. And now I feel really bad. So my apologies to Ethan HD, who was a really nice guy to talk to. Uh, I'm going to sum up what he told us. So uh, reporting from Ethan HD, just because they didn't hit their ultimate goal, they are still going to uh, continue on their mission to buy Destiny City Comics, the business. They're going to keep it up and going. It's a very inclusive, very supportive place that he feels needs to have a place not in just Tacoma, but in the, the comic book scene. Uh, his wife and him, they're going to get maybe a business loan. That's what they're looking at right now. Having worked in the banking industry, uh, I can understand why he might be a little nervous for that because like, they have like certain 
you try to get a business loan, they look at like everything and you know, mm. before you can do it. But they have four thousand dollars to put towards this too, and I think that's gonna be looking good for, for them. Yeah, that's great. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, if they are able to finagle the finances on it, they will uh, take over Destiny City Comics and keep it operating in Tacoma. So there's your update for that. That's awesome. I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for Tacoma to get to hang on to Destiny City Comics because that is something that I brought up to people a couple times when we were at Jet City, uh, what was that, uh, last weekend, two weekends ago by the time people hear this. And, like, that place really does seem to be part mm-hmm. of the fabric there for the uh, the nerdy community in Tacoma, and I'm psyched that they get to hang on to that. That's fantastic. It's like a member of the community. In a time when a lot of comic book shops are closing down, I can think of two in Seattle right now that we do not have anymore this year, mm-hmm. just this year. All right, well, with that, let's get into some uh, viewing, breeding, watching recommendations that we do every magazine episode, or that we do every magazine episode yeah. in season four anyway. We like to change up the format of each season. Um, Dyer, do you want to go first, or should I go first? What do you think? Uh, I, I'll go first, because I, didn't, I, I wanted to come with recommendations, and I couldn't actually think of like a nerdy, geeky recommendation to come th- okay. here with. I will say, after having a late night out recently... I basically stayed in pajamas and binge-watched Queer Eye were in Japan. (laughs) And it was just as awesome as the other, I don't know, four or five seasons that they already have of that. four. Yeah, they're doing like two or three a year or something like that. It's a lot of content. And this is an easy binge one because there's only four episodes of it. So uh, it's not as much as the other ones. But uh, they they do make over a, a manga artist. Um, if that's my geeky in there, <laughs> um, sweet. And a few. Uh, it's just it's kind of just this really a, a adorable version of the show because uh, you know their their whole goal on that show is is to kind of cross a lot of kind of like cultural barriers across America. And now they're crossing cultural barriers across the sea and like language barriers and stuff. And so like everybody's learning, you know. So it's really is a really interesting fun thing to watch. And so not as nerdy manga artist, but not as nerdy. Uh, if I want to do a little bit of a nerdy in, um, Hit me. I have I have recently gone back. It's not new, but if you haven't, Limetown is a podcast that is a fictional podcast, but is set up very similar to the stories that we do here on Northwest Nerd, but it's a little bit more first-person reporting type stuff, very NPR, but it's fake, and it's all about some weird... Wait, mis- but it's fake? Yeah, so it's not a real person reporting. Okay, like they, it's it's very it's a radio play. It's a straight up radio play. Gotcha. Okay. Like a lot of the other fictional stuff that you you see out there, we've kind of reinvented the radio play in a way. So it's very high produced, and uh, but in this case, you you're listening to a reporter report about Limetown, this town of people that just disappeared. And the reason I bring it up that I'm listening to it now is because there's now a new show. Uh, about Limetown that looks very creepy and scary and very mysterious. That said, I'm coming very late to this whole watch stuff on Facebook thing. They apparently have had shows and reality shows. I've seen commercials for shows on there. I just never really piqued my interest enough to realize that it was on Facebook. If someone wants to write in and tell me this, and I might just be like doing like, you know, ignorant guy here, but like, how do you watch that on your TV? Like, I, I, unless you maybe Chromecast it or something like that. I was going to say, like, like maybe they have, like, a Chromecast or a Roku app or something. I don't Not know. Not a Roku app, as far as I can tell. Um, Ensign Haddix is raising his hand here. I'm going to move the mic over to him. You can school me. You can Chromecast it. That You can actually do that. Oh, okay. So. Great. There, there you go. Move the mic back over to me. <laughs> 
Chromecast it. Yeah. I feel like we should do this in front of a live studio audience from now on. We have a bit that, of an audience today, which is kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Kira and Nina. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the mics can pick that up. We should not, do have yeah. like an almost live type thing and then just pay, pay, pay our friends to come in and laugh at our stuff even when it's not funny. Just be like... Oh, Dyer, you're so handsome on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, we don't have the budget for that. If we're counting the cats, they're they're sleeping right now, so that's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's how I envision most of our audience at home. Um, that was Limetown Pod. That's my recommendation. If you just kind of want to, it's not just a show; it is an actual podcast, and I am very um, pro podcast. Try to get that this medium out there for obvious, very selfish reasons. So those are my two recommendations. You have one for me that uh that i know (laughs) you've been talking about for a while now and and you're trying to convince me yeah i think like almost every episode that we've done this season i come in here and i'm like have you seen this new thing on tiktok and you're and you usually say don't want to get tiktok i don't want it get it get it away from me and so that's my recommendation is just the for you page on tiktok because it's becoming the new place on the internet where you see the the latest memes and like it, it's becoming the language of the internet in a way. It's kind of like uh, for people who don't have TikTok, which I highly recommend you get. I have a feeling a lot of our listeners a, do because a lot of cosplayers who follow us yeah. do advertise their TikToks quite a lot. And I see those in your feed. I see their, you cosplayers. Their user growth right now is like in the thousands of percent. So yeah. tons of people are downloading it every single week. Uh, it's kind of like vine combined with the explore page on uh on instagram they just have an algorithm where you don't have to follow anybody yet you just hit like on stuff and just keep on scrolling and they'll continue to show you videos that you will probably like that's similar to the instagram uh algorithm right where you can follow hashtags and things and interest groups yeah you can follow interest and things like that yeah okay so but you also mentioned one thing that's already gone under vine so but you say this is is this improving on vine that's that's part of the problem with TikTok, actually, because it's they don't monetize very well at all. And pretty okay. much anybody on there who has a large following tries to get their followers over to their YouTube page, which has its own monetization problems that it's going through right now. But you can at least have a more reliable um, income from a YouTube page than you can a TikTok page. Okay. So most people who are big on there are trying to push you to another platform anyway. But... The great thing about TikTok is just the trends and the immediate memification of anything because one of the central uh, mechanisms of the app is that you can take the audio from another video and repurpose it to usually comedic effects for any of the memes. And one of the most popular examples of this that has gone a little viral this past like week, week and a half or so is the OK Boomer meme, Mm -hmm. which I explained to you off the air, and it made me very much just say, okay, boomer to you, because you're like, I don't understand anything. No, I feel like, and I'm not a boomer, but I feel like they were talking to me, because I'm always, uh, I'm a well actually guy, right? Anytime somebody says something, I'll be like, well, actually, right. and I feel like that's that's a very boomer thing to say, and one of the videos mentioned Aerosmith, and I was like, Aerosmith was a very good band, and I felt like this is talk. This is this is. I I could be probably so like, to to give people an example. And there's there's a great piece actually in the New York Times of all places right yeah. now by Taylor Lorenz about not just this meme but like the, kind of the rise of memes like it on on TikTok right now. And for people who haven't seen these videos, it might be something along the lines of uh, uh, some teen who works in service uh, saying your total is three nineteen. Someone hands them four dollars. They do they get their change already. And then they say, oh, wait, I have 19 cents. 
Yeah. And their response to them is just, okay, boomer. Like, just just take the change, man. I've already, I've already got your change out. Why are you being difficult about this? Why don't you just pay with plastic anyway? Like, I, I don't want to have to do this math. I feel like this is the like an inverse comedy of King of the Hill. Like, King of the Hill, that, that show, if you've ever seen that, that animated show yeah. uh, by Mike Judge, like, I feel like that's the character that they're pointing to in all of these memes. You know, it kind of is. It's kind of uh, 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 oh, I'll point to. I can't remember if we did this on the pod or not, but you pointed out like a couple weeks ago that you can't say the phrase "fuddy duddy" without sounding like a fuddy duddy. Yeah, and basically anyone who would use the phrase "fuddy duddy" could have the phrase "okay boomer." flung at them and it would yeah. be accurate and it doesn't have to be a baby boomer necessarily it's just anyone who is acting like old and difficult Any, anybody and who basically does like you know you you don't know yeah like yeah. oh, oh you got know. your phone out again i can't live a... without your phone can you um get on it now because in like three months it's going to be inundated with brands because of how quickly okay. it's growing i was going to be terrible that. because what's beautiful about tiktok right now is not just like how quickly memes can become trends and like it's just explodes into the collective consciousness of the app and that energy is going to disappear as soon as brands begin to take this thing over and like there's already celebrities are getting on it like will smith started an account and that makes me uncomfortable because i don't need his content there i want tiktok to stay weird for as long as possible i don't post anything Mm -hmm. i'm just there for the memes content yeah so the influencer thing's definitely going to happen the will smith thing that you said yeah Uh, i used to work for a radio station I now work for another company, but the radio station I once worked at was looking at TikTok. I'll tell you right now, the, the social yeah. people that were on it were already, like, were already like, how can we work with this? How does this work? And they were, you know, basically talking about it. And so that is like a, a company trying to figure out how to market through TikTok. All right. So it's already, it's coming. Yeah. It's, it's already coming. coming. You're already going to have like, oh, here's the TikTok thing I like. Here's the TikTok thing like I like. And then somebody's going to be like, do you want Domino's pizza? Because, ooh, TikTok. And then that's what's going to happen. So anyway, aside from that, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get TikTok. Yes, do it. I'm going to spend two weeks on it, because that'll be the next time we talk on this Cool. And I'll report back my impressions of TikTok. Oh, my God, I cannot wait. I will probably just try to follow all the cosplayers that we already follow on Instagram. Here's the thing. Okay, don't don't follow anyone at first. Just, just let the algorithm guide you, like wherever it guides you. How does it on, even based on? Because if, if it doesn't know, know anything man, about me, do that's you sign kind in of the with beauty your Facebook of it. or anything, or no, no, I created an account with an email address. Okay, it's just gonna find out. I'm I'm afraid of what is gonna be if if TikTok just looks at me via like stereotypes and okay. stuff. I'm afraid at what it's gonna send. So me. like day one, you're gonna get way too many videos of like teens trying to be cute. Okay. If you swipe quickly away from those, they'll stop showing them to you. Okay. Because that was annoying for the first couple of days. I was like, what? what is it? I don't like lip syncing videos. This sucks. Okay. Uh, there's way too much of the app that is that. All right. So I will <laughs> report back fantastic. in two weeks. Yeah. Tonight, okay, cool. I will download this app. Okay, boomer. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. Go follow us on social media. Just search on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook for NW Nerd. Tell your friends about us. 
Thank you also to the Hoot Hoots for our theme music. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music in Brandon's feature this week. And thank you again to Brandon for producing that piece for us this week. It's awesome. And thank you, also Brandon. for allowing us to set up shop in his home to tape this week. Thank you again, Brandon. He's an incredibly generous person. Uh, coming up next week is a spotlight episode featuring the voice of Farah from Overwatch, Jen Cohen. Shout out Overwatch 2 as well. Yeah. So with that, we'll see you next week, nerds. And every other channel had a different season of Seventh Heaven. What's the theme song? It's like Seventh Heaven. Are you serious? Seventh Heaven. You know. What's your rule? Seventh Heaven. Oh my God. <laughs> we couldn't. <coughs> we weren't satisfied. I need with like the 15 more minutes out of you. You need to stop, stop doing it. No.